Hello, and welcome to High Street Freaks. Uh, I'm Ryan Donnelly. Uh, this is my co-host, Kevin Harris. Uh, we'll be starting today's episode with a little special. Um, we've been doing some research, uh, looking for potential solutions to Ohio State's problems uh, across various cultures and histories and kind of looking for, for you know, balance and, and an inner peace uh, for all this turmoil. Um, and I recently came across an, a, an article that I think, Kevin, you and I and um, maybe our entire fan base may find useful and instructive. Um, I have here uh, a nine-step process to committing seppuku in the ritual uh, Japanese tradition. Um, it begins by making a clean cut only through the peritoneum, which is just about the belly line. Um, it's the most formal style of cut. Uh, apparently it takes guts. Uh, you stop right at the belly button. Um, then you go downwards past the belly button. Um, you should apparently use some scrap papers um, to, to grasp the blade or sleeves. So you don't cut your hand, make sure you make it all the way through. Um, when you make the thrust, you want to cut from the side, uh, not directly on. Apparently it makes a wider opening. Um, you want to make one cut each way. So one cut sideways, one cut north and south, um, and then go all the way through. Um, so just in case any of our listeners were considering that, I want to make sure you honor their original, original tradition um, and don't half-ass this thing. Um, so I know I'll be working on this later today. Kevin, how about yourself? How's morale over there? Yeah, I mean, I just, it, it's one of those things where if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. And we are a, a cross-cultural podcast that just wants to honor all traditions. And so if we're going to do this, you know, we're going to do it all the way. But um, I, I think it, I'm, I'm, I hesitate to say that it'd be appropriate, but, um, you know, it, it's just, we want you to have all the facts. This is a informational podcast and uh, that's, you know, that's all we can give you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the best we've got because our head coach certainly has nothing else for us. Um, before we get into all that, I'm going to do a quick ad read for the site. Uh, listen, you guys listen to this. I, I assume we'll have some first time listeners today, uh, whether they're Ohio State fans looking for a place for solace or Michigan fans uh, looking to get their jollies off and hearing us be miserable, which you will have plenty of experience to do. Um, we are uh, High Street Freaks. Uh, we are members of meetatmidfield.com. Uh, which is our college football website. Uh, it is built around national college football. We cover the entire sport, uh, but certainly the backgrounds of myself, Kevin, and Patrick Mayhorn, as well as our, our colleague, Taylor Fulton. All of us have backgrounds either in Ohio State or Michigan. Uh, Kevin does Ohio State coverage for us. Uh, I do national coverage and help out a bit with Ohio State. Um, so we have this podcast. We also have our national podcast, Looking in the Field, where we recap the entire week. Uh, including the Ohio State-Michigan game. Uh, we focus a little bit more on the stuff on the field on that one. I imagine we're going to do a fair bit of that in this, but also talk about all the context off the field, what to expect going forward, uh, things of that nature, just kind of our general vibe. Um, but look, if you want to listen to premium episodes of this podcast, uh, we do a once-a-week premium here at High Street Freaks during the season. We do one premium per week as well as two free episodes uh, during the season for Flipping the Field, uh, premium podcasts all season long, premium articles all year long, and I truly believe the greatest message board in college football. Uh, we have an Ohio State thread. We have a Michigan thread. We have a conflict thread for the two fans to get, uh, get into the mix with each other and get it combined. Uh, you can come subscribe and access all of that. Uh, even on a dark day like this one, it is a great community and a great place to be. Um, it is the only place where you not have people blowing smoke up your ass that Ryan Day still has the goods and he'll get it figured out next time. Just one more year, bro. Just one more big game and he'll win. Just one more time, bro. Bro, just give him one more, bro. Just, bro, if he gets one more win, next time he'll win it for sure. Next time it'll be the big game. It's, it's the same shit for everyone else, but we don't do that. We hate that shit. Um, we are here to, I think, rage against the dying of the light uh, and try to save the Buckeye program. So, uh, <laughs> Kevin, you want to get into it? 
Yeah, I'm 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 ready. I'm, I mean, as much as I'm ever going to be, um, you never want to be talking about a third straight loss to Michigan. And I think, man, I don't know. I, I think like going deeper into it and like the more that I've like digested it, I think the thing is that like this loss would be a lot easier to digest if they hadn't lost the previous two, which may seem like an obvious thing to say, but like last year sincerely felt like Ohio state, like if they play that game 10 times, Ohio state might win eight or nine of them this year. I don't necessarily feel that way, but it still feels like they kind of just like let them off the hook. I don't know. It just, it's more disappointing at being the third loss than it is like, uh, this was just a really good Michigan team. They out executed Ohio state and yeah. plays and stuff like that. Like they got out coached, you know, it is what it is kind of thing. Like had it's just Ryan Day has not earned the benefit of the doubt in literally any way. And so like there are yep. plenty, like I, I even find myself playing doubles advocate with myself on like when I'm looking back at these games, like, well, you know, like maybe this could have done better. Like uh, at the end of the day, like, I, I don't know. I like, I have just been arguing with myself, but it always just comes back to like, yeah, but like, has this guy done anything to earn the bene- benefit of the doubt at all? And so that's like, that's where it comes back to. There are several things that I can look back and be like, well, maybe this wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Like, maybe I reacted in the moment about this, you know, but like, it's just a compounding cumulative thing when you're, you lose three games in a row. Um, Frankly, last year and this year should have cost them a chance at a national title. We'll talk about this later too, but there's a chance that like, they still back their way into the college football playoff again, which would be yeah, no matter how they deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's just like like season on the line, his team has underperformed twice. And like even like this this specific game, it's like you can't even go back and blame like sign stealing or anything like that. Like you had a gift yeah, they just golden opportunity. Like, yeah. yeah. You just lost to a, a better team. Like, you know, or not even a better team. Like you had the talent too, and you just didn't didn't do anything yeah i i don't want to take it all the way from michigan because i do think like they played a mistake-free football game right 100%. like michigan did not do anything to cost themselves the game yeah they played very well uh i thought sure Moore had great wrinkles prepared with the donovan edwards halfback pass and with the alex orgy rushing package yeah um i thought their players played assignment football they did their jobs um you know i think uh i don't like and this is again not to discredit michigan i i think a lot of their fans would probably agree with this i don't think you can point to any one individual play where it's like a player for michigan stepped up and just made an individual like you know incredible play to beat ohio state i think structurally and schematically they beat us they were better prepared than us they executed better than us but i don't think there were any like heroic moments where like you know you don't have a um you know a malik hooker like takes a pick six or you don't have like uh, I think Hassan the, the, Haskins breaks through several tackles and, 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 you know, it takes to the end zone or Cornelio shots, it breaks a tackle and goes. I think probably, big, the, you know, okay. probably the closest you have is that JJ McCarthy pass that went right between two Ohio state defenders. And yeah, the maybe, maybe was it was actually, maybe it was yeah. actually a turnover, but like, that's besides the point. It was a great. Throw. Yeah. It wasn't on McCarthy. If it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, but I mean, schematically they did create more opportunities for chunk plays in the Russian attack than I expected. Um, I thought our linebacker play and our defensive line play was horrible. Ohio State was not good in the defensive front. Um, I thought they got beat on both sides of the line once again. Um, they didn't really create any pressure. Um, they also didn't allow any pressure for the most part. Like there were a couple of plays where McCord had guys in his face, but over, over 
overall, the offensive line played well in pass pro. The run blocking was mediocre. Uh, yeah, the rush last, yeah, the rush attack the last month didn't do much for me for us. Um, I thought Kyle McCord was horrific. Uh, he was very bad. I thought Marvin Harris Jr. looked disinterested for large stretches of the game. I don't think it seemed like he was really like that Will Johnson pick. If that was a horrible ball by Kyle McCord, but he also let someone step in front of him on a slant, and then he yeah. also didn't fight to play defense on that ball. Um, it was very weird. That play, that play in particular, is another one that just like is a head scratcher all around because it was very clearly an RPO, and I think that. Marv was entirely convinced that the ball was getting handed off and obviously it was not and he didn't fight for it at all um he gave up inside leverage on it. like there were just several things like McCord never should have made that throw Marv should have never allowed a like how are you going to allow a pick six on a slant like that should never or I guess it wasn't a pick six sorry a um a clear interception on a slant like that shouldn't happen um but that like that's like another one that like it's a weird play but at the end of the day like you can't that should be a safe throw. I don't know. Very, yeah. very, very. Yeah. Annoying. I mean, McCord did the same problem he's had all year, which is that he stared down his first read, like from the moment of the snap until he threw yeah. it every time. Uh, he made it very easy for Michigan's defensive backs, I thought. And like, look, credit to Will Johnson. He made an individual play. He got the ball. You still got to make that play. Uh, and yeah. it was a good one. Um, but McCord was just off all day. He just did not have a good day. Ameka had a really, really bad day as well. Uh, dropped that big pass. Yeah. But. Look, let it. I mean, individual players you can point to. This game was a manifestation of all of the things around the margins that Ryan Day fucks up that keeps them from beating great teams that we've talked about time and time again, right? It was lack of aggressiveness on certain fourth down calls, um, just general poor game management, you know, not pushing for more instead of a 52 yard field goal to end the half, uh, not calling a timeout to challenge what I thought was Xavier Johnson first down on their second drive. Um, you know, I, I think bad, horrible special teams manifest by Parker Fleming, including yet another fucking procedural penalty on punting, uh, and just generally bad punting results overall. Um, I think you had bad defensive line play and bad linebacker, you know, kind of uh, run fits that were manifested by the fact you only have four defensive coaches and your DC, who is also your linebackers coach, is trying to do too much on game day. You as the head coach trying to do too much on game day. Um, they didn't have anything in the bag. There were no special plays, no special packages. They didn't even particularly use the creative stuff that worked earlier in the season. Uh, some of the yeah. wrinkles they had before those, in the run game. as always for him, yeah, the playbook shrinks whenever he plays the best teams instead of expanding the way it should. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I think it was just Ohio State spit the bit once again. And look, Michigan's Michigan is a good football team. Right? I think we talked a lot of shit on this podcast uh, too much, probably. Uh, <laughs> Michigan is a good enough football team to beat great teams whenever. And I don't think Ohio State's a great team to clarify. I think Ohio State's a very good team. Michigan's a very good team. They're not on the same level to me this season as a Georgia and Oregon, probably not Alabama or Texas. I should talk to Alabama, maybe not even Washington. I don't know. A healthy Florida State. Uh, There's quite a few teams that are capable of beating both of these teams. However, um, if Michigan plays mistake-free football and you don't put yourself in positions to win and, and do the things that it takes at the margins to separate you against other good teams, Michigan is absolutely capable of beating you, which is what happened. Uh, I think Ryan Day once again failed his assignments. He did not show confidence in his players. He wasn't willing to go for it in key moments. He quite literally punted every big high-leverage moment. Instead of trying to be aggressive and go win games, he was trying not to lose. It's what he does every fucking time. Um, it's just the same old story. 
It's the same old fucking story with him the way it is every year. Yeah, and I think like what, that's what makes it so frustrating too. Is it's like I I don't mean to talk shit about Michigan when I say this was a very beautiful team, but like it was, and it is a. I guess like in 2021, I saw Michigan is just physically dominating Ohio State on the line of scrimmage, especially yeah. in the second half. And so it's like, man, if you play that game like 10 times, like, you know, I, I just I did seven or eight. Yeah. 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 Like and, and so like I, I didn't really feel bad about that. Like I, I felt bad that they lost, obviously. But it's like, well, this this team earned it. You know, like they went they dominated the line of scrimmage, whatever. Last yeah. year was a, was way more of a fluke. It felt like I feel like if they play that game, I already said they probably Ohio State probably wins it eight times out of ten. This was another one where it feels like a coin flip. Like the talent on both sides of the of, on both sides of the game, it felt like it was equated. You know, like like even maybe Ohio State even had a, an advantage in terms of talent, and yeah. that's where it just comes into coaching and preparing for the game. And Michigan was playing this game to win, and Ohio State was not. That's really what it comes down to. And it comes down to things like um, Ryan Day, for for better or for worse, and in big games it ends up being for worse when talent is equated, Ryan Day seems to just rely on his better players to execute better than the opposing team. He rarely has like special schematic things drawn up. He rarely has special ways that he wants to attack an opposing team. It like I, I can think like twice off the top of my head. It was Clemson and Georgia are really the two games when he had like a month to prepare that he had a truly unique game plan for those two games. Outside of that, like he is just running his base offense and I mean honestly base defense too, and just hoping that his players are better than the other team. That works a lot of times. It did not work against it doesn't work against Michigan, especially when. I mean, as you mentioned, the difference in this game was that Michigan changed some things up and had special things planned, special schemes and stuff like that, that Ohio State really wasn't ready for. The orgy run yeah. package, the Blake Quorum halfback pass, like that was the longest run. Donovan play, Edwards. Yeah. Or Donovan Edwards. Sorry. Yes, it is. Um, and the uh, the Donovan Edwards halfback pass, those were, um, that was their largest pass play and their largest rush play on the entire day was just special things that they inserted. And that's not yep. to say that he did nothing because there was that really cool one to Xavier Johnson that I believe was a touchdown or got them right up to the goal line. Um, There's a fun little run play uh, that was, I believe on third down. Um, like there were small things like that, but like largely the game plan was the same and it was just relying on Ohio state to out execute Michigan, which like yeah. the team just like when talent is equated, you have to do something to tilt the scales in your favor. We even, we even talked about, um, whether or not they were going to move Matt Jones at center. By the way, Matt Jones was awful at guard, so I don't know what moving him to center would have been. But, like, they didn't even do that. They didn't make any adjustments on the offensive line. Um, you play with the – like, I don't think they should have, but you're playing with the Devin Brown quarterback package to add a running threat at quarterback just to not use it in the only big game of the season. Like, that's really weird. There were just several things that, like, you did nothing different in this game to – really attack Michigan or give you tilt the the scales in your favor. And ultimately that killed him. It was, it was nothing. And I think like, I don't know, we, we go, I go back and forth. I just, I just sent a tweet on this. I, I hear a lot of the criticism about Kyle McCord and I don't think that he is necessarily a great quarterback, like by any means, but like my problem with the, just like, ah, oh, he's just blanketly not good enough. It's like, okay. But like, I don't think quarterback play in college football this year is good enough 
especially on the guys that Ohio State has missed on and had other options on, that I feel confident if you would just sub this guy in with Kyle McCord, Ohio State's problems would be fixed. Like, yeah, they had Ohio, last year CJ Stroud, right? Like, right. They, they already had a generational quarterback. Yeah, and 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 so that, that's my problem. Like, if if like I get that Kyle McCord probably isn't good enough, but who across the country, if you just said definitively, if we subbed in this guy instead, Ohio State wins this game. Right. You'll I, still you'll still have Ryan Day. You'll still be in tight moments, and you'll still have to make the right call. Exactly. Won't do well, it. Yeah. Well, and 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 that, that's the whole thing is it's it's relying. I think that the larger issue is that Ryan Day has built his offense in such a way that it requires an elite quarterback to run correctly and to dominate. Like I said, it's relying on elite players and uh, elite, you know, quarterback, elite wide receiver combination to thrive, essentially. And like you saw that with Kyle McCord is it's like he's not elite. I don't think he is a bad quarterback. I think he made some good throws and stuff. We, like we may differ on that. Yeah. And well, yeah, that's that's fine. But like I, I just don't think that he's like you look at Cade Klubnik or um drew aller or like these are the other guys that ohio state could have quinn ewers even um who's been better this year but he was straight up ass last year like um who else do you want like jj mccarthy would ohio state's offense be better with jj mccarthy maybe but like i i just don't think that it's like if you're complaining about kyle mccord like i i know that we have this argument about ryan day people have this insane argument about ryan day that's like oh well who's better and like that's an insane argument for ryan day but I see it for Kyle McCord because it's like, what's an easy fix here? Like, I, I don't, I don't know who you would have plugged in and like Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix, like maybe those two guys. But outside of that, it's like, it's yeah, a sure. I mean, I think a lot of quarterbacks football. would have a, a lot of quarterbacks have better results than Kyle McCord. But I think the bigger issue is not looking at who we can get better than Kyle McCord. The problem is that this is a five-star quarterback in year three and game thirteen is a starter that Ryan Day handpicked over the guy on the other side of the field who was much better all day. Um, yeah. I think you want to point to the issue. That's it, right? Like Ryan Day had a choice between JJ McCarthy and Kyle McCord. And Kyle McCord was awful in this game. And he threw two picks that completely changed the nature of the game. I think he missed a few other throws that were bad. Um, and JJ McCarthy made the plays they had to make to win the game. And I think that's the biggest difference is Ryan Day, his whole thing, right, is that he refuses to let up being the OC, being the de facto quarterback's coach being involved in handpicking the quarterback recruits, developing them, deploying them, designing the offense around them, giving the best possible weapons, all these things he does. And it ends up with this, right? What you get is a quarterback who has no feel for pressure, who can't escape the pocket, who throws two key interceptions, doesn't work through progressions. Like all we've led to through five years of Ryan Day of having his handpicked quarterback, the one, the earliest one he took ever in his career, and this is what you get, is this guy. And it's just deeply frustrating to watch. Um, you're supposed to be the quarterback guru and the OC guru, and this is the fucking guy you get as a result. This is the offense you get. It's an offense that, again, I know they played great against Georgia last season, like you mentioned the 2020 Clemson game, but by and large, an offense that fails to show up against its best opponents in its biggest games, right? The offense is always worse in those games. Even if they put up yardage, I mean, look, Ohio State outgained Michigan in this game. They beat them on success rate. They beat them in post-game win expectancy. Yeah. Um, they Ohio State's offense didn't move the ball in chunks, but it didn't finish drives. It didn't hit explosives. It didn't do the things that it would take to win this game. And um, turn the ball over in, on a short field. Like, and that's, turn the ball over the and hit a Michigan points. Yeah, I mean, people criticize the defense because they allowed scoring drives on six of Michigan's final eight possessions, and 
didn't get a stop in the second half. And uh, uh, look, I get that. That's a fair critique. But without that short field seven-yard touchdown try that Michigan had off Kyle court's pick, Ohio State held them to 23 points. That's good enough, right? That's a good yeah. enough result. You held them to 27 points and 338 yards. Sorry, uh, 20, 23 points and 338 yards. You take that all day. You take that result every single time against a team that good. Michigan also is a good offense, right? They have two NFL running backs. They have Roman Wilson's a good receiver. They have Colston Loveland. Uh, they have JJ McCarthy. They had a, you know, I know Zach Center went down. They have a couple pro guys in the, on the low line. Like yeah. they have good players too on offense. And if well, you get that result from your defense, it's good enough. I think that some of the, the decisions around defense were very frustrating, like particularly the way it seemed like on Michigan's final drive. Knowles had the wrong feel for it. He wasn't trying to do anything to them off schedule. He was kind yeah. of content to let them just play their offense. And it resulted in way too long of a drive with not enough time back for Ohio State. But even with that being true, Ohio State was in position to score late in the game, right? They, yeah. they until McCourt threw the ball, turned the ball over, they had a chance to go win the game. Yeah. And I, I, I think the whole thing too is like if Ohio State's offense executes the way that it should have, the defense would not have been in the same position in that. Yep. Michigan wouldn't have been allowed, been able to just run its offense as it wanted to. As soon as Michigan went up seven to three and then ultimately 14 to three, Ohio State had to play from behind on offense. And Michigan's defense could just chill, run the ball, work clock, control yep. the ball. Um exactly what we said shouldn't have was the game state for Michigan. Yeah. Exactly. It was it was a nightmare scenario from the start. As soon as Kyle McCord threw that interception. And especially when Ohio State couldn't bounce back and score a touchdown immediately after. Like the, the bang, yeah. bang, bang of pick. And when it settled for a field goal at the half instead of trying to score goal. to make it close. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Th that was it was it was a killer all around. Um, but like allow Michigan getting, I think you can probably even go back and listen to our podcast before the game. We were very confident this wouldn't happen, but the path to victory was always Michigan creating early turnovers or creating some chaos plays. And getting up getting ahead early in Ohio State having to play catch up. Like that was hundred percent what the issue was going to be. That's exactly what it was. Like if Kyle McCord doesn't throw that one interception at the beginning of the game inside and give Michigan the ball inside of like the Ohio State 10 yard line or whatever, that's a completely different yeah. game. Like I'm not yeah. saying Ohio State wins it ultimately, but the game plays out completely different from that point. You allowed Michigan to play their game the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. And um Again, that's on McCord and on Day, right? That's on him being prepared, have his quarterback prepared. Uh, I also really wish I had seen uh, the comments from Kyle McCord in the week prior where he said it's just a football game. Yeah. I really wish I had seen that because I would have felt differently about this game, knowing the players were doing that shit again this year. Yeah. Um, my God, dude. It's just a fucking program issue. Like, they, like, Michigan wins in all the high leverage moments because Ohio State's players are not mentally tough enough and don't care about this game. And that does, and look, I, I said it on Twitter. I withdraw and apologize for all of my criticism over CJ Stroud because all of it is on Ryan Day. It's a program problem from Ryan Day on down. Uh, he is not mentally tough enough. He does not have his players prepared. He does not place the appropriate importance on this game. He is not aggressive enough. All of that filters down to his players. I was totally wrong to attribute to CJ Stroud. It's my bad. Well, and, um, and I, I think you can yeah. see that, too, in how, like, I, I've heard this a lot from our good friend Dan, uh, who, I, I mean, he saw on Twitter, like, how how miserable is it going to make Ohio State fans that C.J. Stroud is, you know, immediately balling out in the NFL and, like, could never beat Michigan. It's like, I don't really see it that way. 
I see it as just like, man, how much does it suck that Ryan Day couldn't win with CJ Stroud as your quarterback? You know, like, and you see it immediately how he is immediately able to, he is like a one of the hardest workers by all accounts in the NFL right now. Um, you hear the receivers who are getting like texts from him of like film at like one in the morning and shit like that. Like, and it's just like if you were a coach and you couldn't channel that into the biggest rivalry in college football and get him to. I don't know. Like it, there, there's just, there's a lot about the way that things went down with CJ Stroud as your quarterback. It's like, if, if, if you can't win with that, especially his performances too, if you even really look back at like the numbers that he put up. Yeah, of course. Like, I don't know that, that this I mean, isn't look, a CJ Stroud I, podcast, but like, it's just, no, but I, I think this year's Michigan game is essentially the exact same as last year's. If last year's had a competent secondary. Right, that's the difference. This year, Ohio yeah. State didn't allow 15-yard plays turn into 80-yard plays uh, yeah. because it cleaned things up in the back end. And credit to Tim Walton and Perry Eliano for getting their position groups where they needed to be to do that. Um, that is the difference between this year's and last year's. Because Ohio State still lost all the high-leverage moments. It just It's defense that turned to disasters, right? Yeah. Um, but every decision, Sharon Moore was aggressive. Uh, they did kick more field goals than Ohio State, but I think most of their, I mean, most of all of their field goal choices made sense. Yeah. Um, I think that Ohio State's often were baffling. Their punting and kicking decisions, um, their go for it or knockout for it calls were were baffling. Their usage of timeouts, um, a lot of things they did. Their game management, like I just thought they were not aggressive enough. Like it looked, if I'm a player on Ohio State sideline, the feeling I get the way Ryan Day managed that game from start to finish, pretty much from the second drive onwards, is that he did not believe in me to go win. Right. He yeah. did not believe we had it in us to go win a game. You have one of the best, it's supposed to be the best offensive mind in college football. And you're afraid to go get a yard at midfield um, yeah. or call a timeout to review the play in the first place. You punt the ball away instead um, on the second drive. I mean, you know, when, when, when Washington had the game in the line against Wazoo, uh, they grew on their own 19 great, yard line. On their own 19 yard line, they drew up a great fucking uh, jet sweep to Ruma Dunze. They got a huge gain and kind of saved the game for them. It, it completely changed the nature of the game to go win that get that field goal win. Uh, when Ryan Day has a chance, the biggest rivalry in football, and like an early stage of the game to go get some yards, get some points, and try to win the game, he just gives up. That's the difference. Yeah, I mean he turtles with a bad fucking punter who sucked. Jesse Mirko was the worst player on the field. Yeah, that was it was real bad. Fuck it was, that was, piece of shit. Yeah, that was that was the worst performance of any. Even more than Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord made some good throws. That was the worst performance of the game. Like they, if if Ohio State and Michigan traded punts, Michigan was gaining a net of like twenty yards each punt. Yeah, which is that what we said insane. would happen. We did talk about that in, in the preview pod. We did. We did. I didn't yeah. think it would be as jarring as it was because Mer- I think that was Merco's worst game as a as a Buckeye. Frankly, like yeah, he's not he has not been that bad in his past two years. That was that was atrocious. Well, that's that's Brian Day's Ohio State. Most of our players tend to play their worst, the biggest moments. And speaking of worst in their biggest moments, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, that might have been the worst. That might have been the worst game of his Ohio State career. Um, I, I I know people have been talking shit about the linebackers in general. I think Steel Chambers actually played a shockingly good game. Um, if you look at yeah. pretty much every every issue, especially in the passing game, it was Tommy Eichenberg. It was his yeah. assignment. That, uh, Steel Chambers was largely fine. I, I hesitate to say it was like a good game, but he was largely fine. Tommy Eichenberg was a mess. I thought Sonny also played very poorly. Yeah, um, Sonny had that bad, uh, bad play on the Blake McCorum. Uh, would have been, would have been uh, a stop if Lathan yeah, Ransom's out there. It's a stop. Yep. 
Yeah, that's very annoying. Um, look, I'm sure a lot of other places have detailed game breakdowns. I, we've said our piece. Let's talk about Ryan Day. Yeah, because we know how this script plays out against every big-time team. It's going to be the same as long as he's here. Is there any chance to you in your head that he is fired this season? No, not a chance. Um, I mean, what if Mike Vrabel's available? That's the only thing that I could I could even remotely consider. But I do not think that Gene Smith would make that decision on behalf of the next athletic director. Yeah. I think I think Gene Smith's going to be content with what he's got. I mean, it's he's leaving it in a leaving the cupboard decently stocked. I don't think he wants to make that move unless maybe he really cares about his legacy or something like that and wants to make like a legacy defining move at the end. But I generally don't think that Gene Smith is going to make that move as he's on his way out. I I just, I I don't think that's a move that he's going to do. Probably not. Probably not. Um, I do think if Rabel indicates to them he's ready to bounce or that he's going to be fired, they should make the call. I will say that um, I think her name is Deanna Rossini, the Titans reporter, mm-hmm. did report that he's studying his job. Uh, it's also worth noting she's the same person who reported that A.J. Brown was due for a big contract extension from Tennessee about a week before he was traded to Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, her sources are always agents. They seem to be not team sources. So yeah. I don't know how much I put stock in that <laughs> article. But um, if Rabel is available, Ohio State has to make the move. They have to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree there. I think I I don't think that Vrabel's going to get fired this year. I think if he has a shitty next year, that could be where he starts to look around or like it's a mutual parting of ways or something like that. Um, and so I don't think I don't think the situation is urgent yeah. in that way. The, the counter argument is that Nick Saban wasn't going to be fired that year for Miami either, but he saw a good enough opening yeah. at the college ranks. It was worth doing. I think Saban probably loved the college game more than Vrabel does mm-hmm. um, and knew he was more successful there. But, like, I don't know, man. Like, some of these guys, some of these Buckeyes you talk to, if you give them a chance, like, Brian Hartline didn't – or Jim and James were nice and never needed to come back to work, right? Like, those yeah. guys made enough money. They didn't have exactly. to go back into coaching. Like, the culture on Ohio State is that you love Ohio State. You're obsessed with it for your entire life. We're freaks about that. And – you also hate fucking losing to Michigan. It eats at your soul. Yeah. And in a psychotic way that no other fan base can understand. Um, I, like, not even Michigan fans. They don't feel it the same way we do. That's my honest opinion. Um, although Jim's, Jim Harbaugh's actions around developing the biggest cheating scandal in college law history, let me reconsider that stance. Maybe he did feel it. Uh, but <laughs> uh, I think if Rabel feels pressure at Tennessee – or is begged to come to Ohio State, which I think is the latter part will not happen. Yeah. I think that call home might be pretty appealing. I, my, my thing is, I think there's a non-zero chance that it happens. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Because yeah. I think I think my thing is that I think Ohio State and Tennessee and Vrabel are all content enough with the status quo that nobody is going to like put their cards on the table, I guess. Like, if everybody is, like, leaning towards not doing anything, then there's no reason for, like, anything to get, you know. I don't know. I, I that, That's just that's kind of where I stand on things. I think, like, next year, if Ohio State is 
decidedly worse, which is a, a very good chance of that. Um, yeah, look at the roster. It's not great. And then Tennessee could be worse too, because they're not they're still gonna, not going to have a quarterback. Like I, I think next year could be the move where, you know, both teams kind of are interested in moving in a different direction. But is that is that kind of your move? Like, would you would you fire Ryan Day right now for anyone else? If I could get Mike Vrabel, I fire him in a heartbeat, no doubt in my mind. Yeah. Um, I want him gone. Yeah, I I, I would rather have, even though Luke Fickle's season this year was not inspiring, and I think his his last two OC hires at Tennessee, or sorry, at Cincinnati and now at Wisconsin have been bad, I would still take Luke Fickle over Ryan Day uh, because I think Ryan Day doesn't have the goods and he would get it done. Yeah, I would also take Mark Stoops over over Ryan Day tomorrow, uh, another Ohio native. A guy who dominates his rivalry game. He's won five in a row and six yeah. the last seven against Louisville. Uh, he just beat a better Louisville team on Saturday. Um, I think there are some guys that get rivalries that are from Ohio that understand Ohio State, Michigan, and some guys that don't. Um, some guys just don't understand it. And Brian Day is one of them, right? I uh, I should find it really quick here. One of our listeners sent me. He did a little Google spreadsheet uh, for uh, Ohio uh, coaches, non-Ohio. Yeah, non-Ohio natives versus Ohio natives in the game. It's uh, Ryan Day and John Cooper, the only two non-Ohio native coaches to coach Ohio State since Woody Hayes was hired. They're combined 3-13-1 in the game. Um, Ohio natives are combined 37-16-1 in the game. Um, I guess 37-17 and 17 if you add on Luke Fickle. Um, it's telling. Maybe it yeah. seems silly. But I think there is something where, like, Michigan needs the Michigan man. Ohio State needs the needs the Buckeye. They need an Ohio native. Um, you don't have to have gone to Ohio State. Woody Hayes went to fucking Denison, right? Um, yeah. Is it Denison? I think so. Yeah. I think I think that's uh, right. I'll look that up. But uh, no, I, you got you got to be from I, Ohio. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like Urban Meyer. He he, yeah. he for for all intents and purposes he kind of did. Jim Trussell was very much a beat Michigan at low-key the detriment of competing nationally in a lot of ways. Like, I I think that, like, maybe that's a take, but, like, I, I don't think that his program was built up, built in a way to compete with, you know, the Floridas, the LSUs at the time. Uh, really, like, Georgia was a non-factor at those, in those years. Um, but, like, Alabama – he was not really built to he did not build his program in a way to compete with those those sorts of teams at least until later in his uh, career at ohio state um but i think urban meyer came in and immediately turned ohio state into like a national powerhouse and national recruiting um beast and really turned ohio state into like a contender in every category but he still maintained that focus on michigan and i mean obviously the guy was 7 to 0 um, he emphasized it every practice, like you can see it permeating through his program. Um, but Ryan Day seems to have is intent on building Ohio State as a national power, a national title contender, and has really no interest in building his program to beat Michigan in any any capacity. Whereas Michigan is perfectly content, it seems, to just beat Ohio State and lose in the first round of the college football playoff. And so like I get that, like, there seems to be the debate about, like, 
would you take national titles or wins over Michigan? And I will happily it's such a false choice. Yeah. I, well, I, I will happily engage in that debate the first time that Ohio State wins a national title after losing to Michigan. And like it, people say, what well, almost happened last year? It almost did, but it didn't. You know, like that's the thing. They never in the history of Ohio State winning national titles have they lost to Michigan and claimed a national title afterwards. Like that, that just it, it hasn't happened. Um, there's been the tie. There was a tie when Ohio State claimed the national title, but like. I just I, I think it's like it's it's such a false argument because it's not like that's a thing that's even happening right now. Like if Ohio State was regularly losing to Michigan and then going on and waxing teams in the college football playoff, I'd be like, okay, maybe there's a point to this. Like it's kind of the argument about Big Ten basketball, how Big Ten basketball teams are not really built to compete in the NCAA tournament. They're built to compete in a Big Ten grind schedule. Like I, I concede that, you know, like that's like Tom Izzo is the only guy who seems to have figured that out and like built his program accordingly. But like that's that's just not the reality of what's happening. If if Ryan Day in Ohio in Ohio State were going out and just dominating teams in the college football playoff every year while like taking an L to Michigan, that's cool. But he literally has not won a national title yet. And he's won two playoff or he's won one playoff game and almost beat Georgia. Like that's that's not an actual yeah, argument. He blew to make a two touchdown lead to Georgia. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, what are the accomplishments of the Ryan Day era? You have the 2019 Michigan win. You have the 2020 Clemson playoff win, and you have a 2021 Michigan State win that was like meaningless a day like a week later. Um, yeah, the the Notre Dame and Penn State wins, or I guess like 20, 20 this this year's Notre Dame, this year's Penn State, like those aren't in the same galaxy as Georgia Clemson. No, and it, it's like the thing people miss the forest for the trees on is like sure it's like uh, it's cool to be 40 and 0 against the rest of the Big Ten. It's not Michigan. But what's the point? But what is the point if you can't beat the teams? Like that's the precursor yes. that gets you in position to make the Michigan games, the playoff games matter and give you a chance to get to the stage. But if you go 35 and five in those games and you average one loss per year against the rest of your schedule, you're still in the same position on November 25th. That's the it's thing. still the same thing. You're yeah. you're still in the same spot no matter what. Um, it's it's deeply, deeply frustrating to have to engage in this debate fucking week after week and year well, after year. Especially Michigan, too. Choice. Especially yeah. Michigan, too, because like I, I had people saying it was insane to claim that I would gladly take a blowout loss to like Rutgers over a loss to Michigan. And it's like, OK, well, one, like from a purely like logical standpoint, if Ohio State only loses to Rutgers but beats Michigan every year, they're going to the Big Ten title and probably the college football playoff every year because they would own the tiebreaker over Michigan every year. Losing to Rutgers does nothing. You'd still be, what, like, it's a nine games, eight and one in the Big Ten, and you'd have the yeah. tiebreaker over Michigan, and you'd go to Indianapolis over them. That's what, you know, that happened to Urban Meyer a couple times. So, like, I, right. I like that. So, so that's dumb to claim that, like, it's better to lose to, like, a good Michigan team than it is. No, it's not. It's better to beat Michigan, get to the play, you know, win a Big Ten title. The other thing is if you're already not going to win national titles, because to be clear, Ryan Day has never won a national title. If you're not going to win national titles, you may as well be beating Michigan. Like the, <laughs> if, if I have to choose between losing Michigan and not winning national titles and beating Michigan and also not winning national titles, I'm choosing option B every time. And like, that's not insane to me. Like, it, again, like, it's not like Ohio State is winning all of these national titles with the approach that it currently has. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 
I, I don't know, man. Like, it's not working. Like, for Earl, all Urban Meyer's misses and faults in minor games, he made the playoff in two of his final five years. Ryan Day's made it in three out of five. Or two of the five years the playoff existed for Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Day's made it in three out of five. Um, he has the he has one fewer win in three appearances than, Ryan, than Urban Meyer has in two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's we've done less. You know, he has not looked competitive against great teams. And I think, like, no one wants the end of the urban era anymore either, right? Like, at that point in time, we were beating Michigan, but we were losing to bad teams and losing to great teams, right? They couldn't beat Clemson. Right. Um, they couldn't get the job done uh, often enough to get to the yeah, dance. To I don't want that. I don't want to go back to that either. I was very vocal about that at the time. However, uh, I also don't want this. I think it's much more futile to be an experience where you beat all the bad teams, but know you will lose to the good teams, as we always do. I mean, one in six can stop with opponents, right? Like, Urban Meyer was able to beat good teams. He did it because, I mean, and not every time, right? I don't expect him to do it every time. But the guy, like, when he had a chance to go win a fucking title, he did it, right? He showed up and he did it. And there were times where he willed bad teams to the playoff as well. Like, that... That 2016 Ohio State team that got its ass whooped by Clemson, that wasn't a good football team. That was no. a very flawed team. But they found a way to get to the title by beating a damn good Michigan team that year in a very tight game. When yeah. the chips were down, they performed. And I would, yeah, look, the way we're getting to the dance now sometimes, which is you don't beat any bad team, you don't you don't lose any bad teams. Um, you have the quality loss, but, but but you yeah you have a quality loss to Michigan. And then you pray you back your way into the playoff. Which could uh, very well the, happen again. We'll get into that. Which in maybe will happen again. It already happened once. And then you back your way into the playoff <laughs> um, through the favor of the committee. like, And then you lose when you get there. That sucks fucking worse. At least those 2016 teams got off the mat and fought for something and got better over yeah. the course of the year and earned their way there by running through the schedule. That's way fucking better. Yeah. And to, to Urban Meyer's credit, too, he retired at Ohio State undefeated as an underdog. Yeah, I think it was six and zero. Six and zero is an underdog. The last game that he won was uh, twenty eighteen. Michigan is an underdog. He he retired. He was un- he never lost a game as an underdog at Ohio State. That is like a a wild stat, but that just kind of goes to show you like how his teams got up in the games that mattered, and that just has not been the case for for Ohio State or for uh, yeah for Ohio State under Ryan Day. Just hasn't. Yeah. No. No. Um, and look, what he's doing sucks. Like, it's just the process, too. It's the fact that he learns nothing, right? He learns nothing from his failures. Um, Parker Fleming's still employed, right? Mick Marotti's still employed. Yeah. Larry Johnson and, and Jim Knowles still don't work well together. Um, Jim Knowles is still understaffed on defense. They still have few, too few defensive coaches. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Day is still calling plays and trying to game manage and coach the quarterbacks. Um all the things that have been problems that lead to issues keep fucking happening. They don't change any of them, man. None of it. No, no. I mean, what does he learn from his mistakes? Like what, what are the improve? Like, sure. He fired Kerry Combs. Great. Cool. Like he was one of the worst DCs in Ohio state history. Like, and Ryan day personally disliked him. He was always going to fire him. What does he learn besides that? Besides like the obvious, Oh, we can't give up 40 points per game. Win anything. No, no shit. Besides that, what else has he learned? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I couldn't tell you. I think this is a particularly frustrating year too because like as we've talked about, there's no like clear-cut dominant team 
it felt like this was right for the picking. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that it still Ohio feels State, that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't really think that Ohio State is a decidedly better team than Georgia or Oregon or Washington or um, Florida State or Texas or any of those teams. But like, I feel fine with them competing, like with talent wise. Like, like I said, like you've got enough, yeah. you've got enough yeah. players who can make plays. Like at the end of the day, like Ohio State almost beat Michigan with players making plays too. Like you had Julian Fleming making some sweet plays. Um, Cade Stover even came up with a big catch on the scene. Like there, there were playing, but as we mentioned, Ohio State has playmakers, and if you put them in position to make a play, like you know, cool things can happen. But um, I, I think like that's what was so frustrating to me is like Ohio State's just never going to win those games with equivalent talent. It's never going to happen. It didn't happen this time. Michigan was a very beatable team. I think um, the past few years, especially like I, I when I say Michigan's a beatable team. And when I say I have said that I think this is like the most the least dangerous Michigan team of the past three years. I think this Michigan team is probably the most complete team that they've had over the past three years. But I think Michigan's their style of play hinges so much on dominance in the defensive line and on the offensive line, particularly on the offensive line, that I thought of every Michigan team that Ohio State has played this year, this was the most beatable, I guess. Um, because yeah, their whole line's not that good. Yeah. It's not that good. It's not that good. And the way that they have beaten Ohio State in the past two years is just dominance on the offensive line. But it didn't fucking matter this time. And the line played great. You know, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be that guy that's complaining about like holding penalties or anything like that because I don't think that, um, they, I don't, I don't think, they think were penalties were a factor this game. The refs were good in this game. They, I, well, I thought that the refs were consistent in this game. I don't think the refs were yeah, good in this game. They the were refs consistent. are never good. Yeah, the referees, yeah. they should all, they should all be killed. Yeah. The, the, yeah. But... The, 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 fact that, <laughs> the fact that Michigan had more defensive or calls holding calls on their defensive line than they did on their offensive line was like absolutely baffling. Um, there were no holding calls on, on Ohio State's offensive line either. Like it just seemed like they just like got rid of holding as a penalty in, in that game, which is like fine. They yeah, whatever. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but like large, I think that that helped. Ohio, or I, I think that helped Michigan's line quite a bit, especially in the beginning. Um, but like all that to say, Ohio State didn't take advantage of what I think is the worst Michigan line in three years, and they got beat. <laughs> but with with still having with Michigan still having its weakest of its core unit that they've had in the three years, Ohio State still got beat. Yeah, they sure did. Um... They sure fucking did, man. Um, we can talk about changes to the staff. I think everyone knows our stance. They have to fire Parker Fleming tomorrow. Yeah. Um, has to happen. I mean, they're fucking awful. Uh, they need to bring in a fifth defensive coach, probably just Laurinaitis at linebackers. Just fine. And take, take, yeah, which is fine. Take linebacker responsibility away from Jim Knowles, um, whether he wants to or not, aside to somebody else. Need to make a change in defensive line coach. The, the results have been too bad in too many big games. They need better um, personnel too, at linebacker too. Need better personnel at linebacker. They have to go to the portal for that. Probably defensive line too, based on who we think they're going to lose, um, mm-hmm. which we'll see as the season goes on. Um, they uh, they need to fire Rick Barati. Uh, Ohio State was less physical in this game once again. Uh, you have Michigan players calling you out in the post game for not being tough uh, for another year. Um, and they have every right to, they weren't tough They're, I mean, it's more of a coaching issue than it is a player issue, but the players aren't strong enough. They're not physical enough. Um, and that's a McRoddy issue in some ways. Um, I think that 
you should probably fire Keenan Bailey and hire a real coach there, but they're not going to do that shit. Um, they, I forgot he was on staff on God. Yeah, they they probably just need new blood on the offensive coaching on coaching tree, right? They need new ideas. Um, I mean, yeah. this is this is the, that's the issue. Is like this was the year. This is really the one year of Ryan Day just completely running the show on offense. Everybody kind of under him is somebody who he's hired or has exclusively worked with him. There's no new the ideas. Tree. Yeah. From the same tree, like there's no new ideas on the offensive side of the ball. Um, everybody that he hired is, you know, he's got Corey Dennis underneath him. He's got Keenan Bailey. He's got Brian yeah. Hartline. He's got Tony. Corey Alford. Dennis, Keenan Bailey, and Brian Hartline are all Urban Meyer guys. Uh, Justin Fry's a Chip Kelly guy, along with along with Day. The only one from outside of that tree, I guess, is Tony Elford, who's also mostly an Urban guy. Um, and, and there's, just, there's not doing it's, shit. it's just yeah. it's just like I, I don't I don't know what those meetings look like, but just like from purely like looking at the guys who he's employing, it looks like a bunch of yes men. Yeah. You know, like, like I, I don't think that Ryan day is necessarily the sort of guy. I don't think that he is. I think urban was more of a guy that would surround himself with yes men than Ryan day necessarily is at the end. Like, yeah. At the end. Yeah. At, at the end. Yeah. But like, those are just, even if it's not intentionally like to stroke his ego or anything like that, which I like, I don't think it's about ego. I think it's more just about like there's no diversity in ideas and he's hiring guys who he's comfortable with and they all like think the same and it's not challenging or anything. But like but that. even Urban Meyer, to his credit, like he brought in Tom Herman at first. And when he had to go away from Tom Herman, he made the mistake of promoting Tim Beck and Ed Warner. He recognized it as a mistake and he brought in Kevin Wilson, and Ryan Day. Right. Yeah. Like and 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 changed it, I, I guess. My two two guys who are very different, by the way. Like I, yeah. I, I think I think that's that's the thing too is like Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson are nowhere close. They clearly worked well together if you if Ryan Day retained Kevin Wilson and stuff like that for long enough. Yeah. But like their approaches to offense are completely different. They were brought up in completely different ways, and so like, I, I, I just I don't understand how he went from fixing an offense. It's like it's just it's very weird how he went from like such diversity in in ideas and stuff like that. Um, with meshing Urban Meyer's kind of quarterback run offense with a um, kind of a tight end heavy offense that Kevin Wilson likes to run with his offense that is like a, a Chip Kelly spread offense. How did he go from meshing those three ideas to just like kind of running the show and doing whatever the hell he wants with no like. I, I, I it, it's, it's very because weird. he feels the pressure, I think I think he feels the pressure. And yeah. his response to find the pressure is taking more control. and more and more on his plate yeah. uh, instead of giving it up. Urban Meyer, like again, not a perfect coach, but did recognize that he didn't have the goods in offense anymore and realized he was like, look, I he's like, hey, I what I'm doing is stale. I had to bring in someone new. Like my my guys, my thought didn't work. We need a new idea here. We need something different. And he brought in uh, an established former head coach and Kevin Wilson, who obviously had his own ideas, and he brought in an NFL guy and Ryan Day. Uh, yeah. Came from the Chip Kelly scheme and, and did pretty, I mean, like, you know, brought in NFL passing ideas. And that worked, like, to to a certain, I mean, to a pretty heavy extent. Um, and that mix worked with Kevin Wilson at first, and Ryan Day at first, too, and mm-hmm. Ryan Day was the head coach. And now mm-hmm. it looks totally different. Um, this is the first year without another experienced um, major brain in the offensive room besides Ryan Day's. And look at the results we got. Yeah, and I, I, I think, like, the pushback, too, is, like, there's nobody that's saying Ryan Day is not like a good offensive mind. It's a lot of it is just that he is doing the same thing 
with no creativity and ideas, no diversity in ideas. He's the only head in this. And also he's doing it all while trying to lead a program as a head coach. Like, yeah. I think this would be a yep. completely different situation if he was purely a quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, but he's not. He's quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator, head coach, like program manager. Um, he's got to go recruit. He's got to figure out like how to balance all of this with his defense. Like it, it's, it's too it's much. A, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's too much for him. And like, it's too much for anybody. Cause he's, he's also, it's too much. For, and he's also not that good at it. Like it, it, even if it were, even if it wasn't too, if, even if he was good at it, it's still too much for anybody. And the fact that he's also not good at the balance and never done it before means it gets yeah. harder. Um, yeah. And he's, I he's like, figuring it out. He's figuring it out too. And like, I, I, I hear that a lot. And I, like, I, readily admit yeah he's figuring it out but ohio state's not a place where you figure shit like that out yeah is that training wheels program right um look i will say i like justin fry but i would not be too sad if justin fry his indiana alum gets the iu head coaching job uh and they look to hire sean lewis as o-line coach and oc um i would not be bummed about that at all i think having sean lewis run the show He's competent enough. Everyone knows that. Ryan takes his hands off of it uh, and gives it up completely. I, I, maybe it pisses off Brian Hartline. It is what it is. I think Brian Hartline's a great coach, and obviously I don't want to lose him. He's a huge factor in the program's success. Um, but it's like it's a level of you. It, it's like when you're when you're rock climbing, right? You you can only keep your foot on your base of support for so long. At a certain point, you have to go upwards to reach up, and you cannot stay on the same rock, the same outcropping forever because you will not get to where you're trying to go. And they have to yeah. climb. But what they're doing is not getting it done. They have to advance. And if that means, if Brian Hartline is pissed off that he have an OC being brought in above him, I would hate to lose him. But it is what it is, right? You bring in someone else, um, maybe Kenny Guyton, I don't know. And you uh, you try to get to him at least. And uh, and you take that step and, and you let someone else call the plays because – Whatever is being done, whether Ryan Day trusts Brian Hartline or feels he needs someone more experienced to do this, first of all, it's Ryan Day's fault that Brian Hartline's not experienced. He wouldn't let him call the plays the entire first half of the season or at all. Um, he should have gotten experience this year. Exactly. It's Day's fault that he didn't. Um, you bring in somebody new. That's what you got to do. Yeah. It, like, I, I think at the very least, you have to do something different. Like, if the difference is, like, like, I even if you're talking about like moving on from Brian Hartline or like, it's going to piss him off or whatever. Like, how do you know that Brian Hartline can't call plays because you've never let it, you've never tried it. You know, like if I don't know, it's, it's frustrating all around. It's frustrating that they haven't done anything new um, in terms of offensive alignment in years. And I, I think it really is like, the problem is it's like a crossroads for Ryan day too, because like the reason why he is where he is, in his coaching career is because of his offensive brain and his development of quarterbacks and stuff like that. Um, and to be clear, we're not advocating him give up developing quarterbacks or anything like that. But I, I think that is a tough position for him to pass the sticks because like, this is what got him where he is running an offense and coordinating an offense and calling plays is what got him to where he is. It's why Ohio state brought him in. It's why, um, you know, Urban Meyer kind of handpicked him as his, his successor is because of his offensive brain. And so I do understand why it is tough for him to just like, with that being his identity, to just move on to a different identity. But like, sometimes it's necessary. And I think you see that with Lincoln Riley to a worse extent over at USC. Like, 
he's having the same problems on a magnified scale. Um, but it's, you can't do, Ryan Day was never going to be able to just call plays at Ohio State forever. And it's coming to the point that he needs to uh, evolve. Yeah, yeah, pretty clearly. Um, yeah, man. I mean, we can talk about portal stuff throughout the offseason, especially as we get past next week and have an idea of who's hitting the portal. I think there's some personnel changes of players that's to be made too. So yeah. upgrade certain positions, typically right tackle, uh, I think probably defensive end um, and linebacker. I need to have extra talent out of defensive tackle. I would not shy away from either. There's a, a big name player out there, that four kid from Harvard who uh, showed yeah. a lot of interest in Ohio State. Be happy to take him on too. There, there's just some areas of talent upgrade needed, um, but but a lot of the stuff is just coaching and personnel around the margins, and that's uh, that's Ryan Day issues and Ryan Day decisions, and he, he has to change them. I have no faith that he will or he will change. I think it's going to be another stale version of the same team next year. Not to be a complete fucking doomer, but that's my honest answer. Is I think he won't learn from this. We can say, oh, it's obvious, and it is obvious from a thousand foot view. It's very clearly obvious. I don't think it's obvious to him. I don't think he has enough perspective or awareness of who he is as a coach recognizes failures. I think he's going back in the bunker and is kind of like locking himself down against all criticism. That's always his answer. He always rejects um, all learning, all, all growth, all all critiques, all self-reflection and awareness. He refuses to engage with that. That's his, that's who he is. But um, yeah. maybe he'll become a different person. That'll be great. Um, we should, um, we, we're going to do a uh, an ad read here real quick before we start talking about the playoff stuff. Um, and, and I think... Uh, I guess, just kind of outlook for the next few months. Um, so, Kevin, do you want to tell the folks about Home Field Apparel? And it's for yeah. Games? Home Field Apparel is everything that you hate about Ryan Day. They're the opposite. They are trustworthy. They are reliable. They will bring their best when the game needs them the most. Um, and they are, you know, they have positioned themselves uniquely as a brand that they are winners no matter what in the game. And I um I respect that. You know, they're just arming both sides of the rivalry and they are providing the Buckeye faithful with the Buckeye gear, the Michigan faithful with the Michigan gear, um, really across all college football rivalries, really. So I think that home field apparel, if you are a college football fan, they've got you covered. You know, if you are a Michigan fan who is still listening to this podcast for your uh, Sean Fruid or you're an Ohio State fan that's uh, kind of looking to get through your gloom gloom period of, with another loss to Michigan. Homefield Apparel has you covered. They've got the best vintage-inspired Ohio State gear, Ohio, Michigan gear, college football gear in general. Um, you got your uh, your your soft, soft uh, sweatshirts, your um, nice vintage t-shirts. Ryan's wearing one right now. Uh, he's yeah. rock, rocking the retro Ohio State logo sweatshirt, even in defeat. I respect it. Um, but yeah, if you have not yet purchased from Home Field Apparel, you can go and use the code Meet at Midfield for 15% off your first order. If you have already ordered from Home Field Apparel, I know you're going to be ordering in the future. Go ahead and in the comments, just say Meet at Midfield sent you, um, and they'll just let us know. They're already our friends, but uh, it will, um, you know, let them know that we're sending people their way. Um, but yeah. I, even in even in defeat, you got to rock the meet at midfield scarlet and gray apparel. Oh yeah, I just got a bunch of uh, Christmas gifts for uh, for family and friends too. I've I, I mentioned the uh, podcast. It's a solid my, hustle. Yeah, my my um, <laughs> my girlfriend is an Iowa grad, uh, so I got her some gear. 
um, for for Herky uh, Herky Hawk, I think is the the mascot's name. Is that right, Herky Hawkeye, something like that? That sounds right. That sounds right. Yeah, uh, so we get some gear coming there. Just stuff for the family. I'm excited about that. So um, it's great whether it's for yourself or for gifts. It's a great place to be. Like you said, use code media midfield for 10% off that first offer uh, or input uh, just us in the comments. You already bought there before. Tell them about the triangle shirtwaist factory fire and that you know they had no responsibility for it. Um, things of that nature. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, uh, buy home field. It's great. Kevin, um, we have to do the disgusting and obligatory task of talking about the playoff um, and whether or not there is any chance that Ohio State goes to the playoff. Um, as it stands today, they are sixth in the AP poll. Uh, last year, sorry, not last year, last week, they were second in the college ball playoff poll. Um, I think it's safe to assume Michigan will be number two after last week behind Georgia at one. Yeah. Um, Washington is still undefeated. They'll stay at three. Florida State will stay at four. I would expect, based on the way the committee has treated Oregon, that Ohio State drops to either five or six. I mean, they could drop as low as eight, right? I don't think anywhere yeah. below. Like, like they'll be somewhere in the mix with Oregon, Texas, and Alabama. Um, I, I think the fact that, I mean, Ohio State would have ranked wins over Notre Dame and Penn State. Uh, Penn State's a top ten team; should stay there. Uh, Notre Dame will probably move up into the top fifteen um after louisville's loss um alabama um so i mean that's because ohio state two ranked wins a one score ranked road loss alabama lost by two scores at home to texas its ranked wins are um ole miss lsu and uh tennessee was not ranked last or are they were they ranked last week yeah i don't remember um so i guess they're giving Huh. They're giving Bama three ranked wins. Um, Texas uh, has a ranked win over Alabama, obviously. Uh, they also will have one. They have a ranked loss to to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Um, was Kansas State ranked last week? Oh, that's a great question. They were. They were. They were ranked last week. So they have two ranked law, two ranked wins and a ranked loss uh oregon has zero ranked wins um <laughs> even out, i guess being oregon state uh they were 16th this past bowl. i guess they would stay ranked this but, point yeah. um so oregon will have one ranked win i bet ohio state will slot in just behind oregon just ahead of texas yeah they'll keep texas ahead of Bama. that's my thought that's my thought too but i don't i don't i don't think the rankings matter at all this yeah week. yeah yeah i guess it's interesting for standings perspective yeah yeah but. yeah but so, I think I yeah, think there yeah. there is a I was I was very sad to learn that not only is there a, a available path, but it's far more likely than at this point. Like I don't I don't really want to do this again. Like I don't want Ohio State to go to the playoff and like lose in the first round again after losing to Michigan, especially if they're going to almost beat Georgia again. Like it's it's going to be the same thing. So I really don't want to do this again. But unfortunately there is a very easy path not easy but like if you're if i'm if i'm going through and picking the games like honestly i would probably pick the outcome that gets ohio state into the playoff because i would pick all but one of them yeah and, and like that, that's what in, in the one that i wouldn't is is it oregon washington oh i would say i i actually don't think the oregon washington game matters to ohio state at all you know um I, that's my take on it i think texas is the one that matters 
uh, and I would not pick Texas to beat Oklahoma State. I think Ohio State will currently be ahead of Texas. You would not. You would not pick Oklahoma to beat Texas. I would not pick Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State to beat Tech to beat Texas. Correct. I See, would pick I, Texas to win. Yeah. Okay. The, so, so to me, let, let, let me let me. We're just going to go down the games here, and I'm going to tell you like yeah. how this all plays out. So Georgia needs to beat Alabama. Georgia's going yes. to beat Alabama. That's not that's not yes. an issue to me. Um, I agree. Mich- Michigan needs to beat Iowa, just to to add validity to it and like not make not which make will happen heavier. very easily. That's that locks happen. up two spots. Yeah, not, not a problem. Okay, and so Florida State needs to lose to Louisville. That's going to happen. Yes, I'm I'm not at all worried about that either. I think it's possible. I mean, Louisville just had a pretty. I mean, like they they outgained Kentucky like 100 yards. But they had some just key errors on turnovers. Yeah. Man, Florida, Florida State, State should have lost Florida. 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 With a well, they won by nine points. They won by nine points. Did you watch the yeah. game? I did. I did. They didn't play very well. I know that. It was. It was I think it was it's. I think it's very game. possible. I lose to Louisville. I think it's going to be a, a pick'em. Um, I know the actual I, betting odds have Florida State like five and a half, but. but yeah. I, I I I think Louisville's going to win that game. I, I like. I'm not. Okay. I'm not even really concerned that Louisville doesn't win that game. Um, okay. Anyway, I I, I think Louisville's going to win that game. So you must have, just so we're on the same page, Michigan, I'm not even worried about talking about that. They're going to beat Iowa. It's, it's done, right? Yeah. Um, and if they lose, like Iowa passes you. That game doesn't matter, basically. It doesn't really it, matter. It, it helps if Michigan wins. It doesn't really matter. I agree Georgia will beat Bama. You have to have Georgia beating Bama. Otherwise, yep. Georgia's ahead of you, too, and so is Bama. Yep. Have to have Georgia beat Bama. You, you need to have Louisville beat Florida State. Those two yep. must happen. Yeah. Um, without them, it doesn't matter what else happens, right? The other game is Washington, Oregon. My stance on this is it does not matter. Um, you don't think they're going to put both com- in, regardless? No, no, I don't. I don't. I know the committee says they don't punish teams that play the thirteenth game, but the way they've treated Washington all year tells me they actually yeah. would do that. And a Washington team that's basically not blown a team away since September. Um, I don't think they're going to put in the playoff over Ohio State. I think especially um, I if... I don't think that's fair, but I think it's true. I think especially if if Oregon blows out Washington, that would be true. Yes. If it's like an overtime game where Oregon, like, comes up with, you know... like Yeah, it's something and then you have, like, like, just a one-and-one result between the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's the scary. But I think a blowout Oregon win or a um, Washington win, I think... You're fine. You're yeah. fine. I... Yeah. I, I still like Washington. Um, I I don't really respect Oregon. Weirdly, I just I'm I starting think... to. Uh... <laughs> so 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 we'll see. That's that's a very interesting game. But like, if I had to pick, I, I think Oregon's win rolling right now. This motherfuckers are. are dominating. They are. I think Oregon might be the second best team in the country. But so, I, I also think their resume is the worst of any of the teams that are in consideration. Yeah, but that, so that that's an important game. Um, I, I think if Oregon dominates Washington, they're probably right. The the real one is um, Texas Oklahoma State, and I I've been talking even on this podcast been talking myself into Oklahoma State being a very good team. I love their ground game. Um, I think it's a really well rounded team, and I don't really respect Texas at all. So I a double overtime game with BYU. They have to come back late. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I admittedly didn't watch that game at all, but the previous. Previous previous weeks, I was very impressed with Oklahoma State, and so um, I, I also just do not think Texas is a terribly scary or dominant team. Here's the thing: all the way through week through week twelve, I agreed with you. I felt that way. Texas had been trying to lose for like 
over a month and Oklahoma State had been rolling and basically gotten hot. Then you had Texas beats the shit out of Texas Tech. Like they 55 to 7. Yeah, they did. Their running game looked fixed even without uh, Brooks. Um, they look great. And Oklahoma State struggled with a bad BYU team that lost five straight. Um, that's not a great sign. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think like, you don't want to read in too much off of one week trends, of course, as well, because look at Ohio State, Michigan. Right. But I probably have the least, I mean, not probably, I do have the least confidence in that result. I think that is the one that yeah. is the sticking point for Ohio State. Like you, you must have a Georgia win. A, a Florida State loss and a Texas loss. Um, if those three happen, Ohio State's in. Yeah, I, I don't even think it's really difficult. When, when it, it comes down to it, they're they're just not going to put in a Washington team that I, I can't see it happening. I don't think they respect Washington. The committee. I think they want Ohio State. They want like they'd rather have Ohio State in that game than Washington. It's which is unfair. It's bullshit. That's the way they would treat it. Yeah, see, to to me, I think the way that they would look at it, because everybody's going to say, well, Washington wouldn't even have a title. Yeah, man, that's true. Washington would be screwed. Because, like, I think think they would see Washington and Oregon more as comparable opponents, um, and they would rule in favor of Oregon, give them essentially the tiebreaker for having um, a conference championship. But, like, when you're comparing comparing resume about – Washington and Ohio State. Yeah. I and also like in some scenario where Washington would beat Georgia, which I think is very unlikely, do they really want the chance of a three peat, like a third game between two teams in the same season title game and only out west for yeah. two smaller fan bases? I know they're not supposed to do that shit, but that's what they would consider it. And yeah. the argument you could also make, and I don't, again, I don't think it'd be fair is that because the Big Ten still stupidly uses divisions, which, look, Ohio State doesn't belong in the title game. I'm not saying that Ohio State belongs in. But the argument would be, well, sure, Ohio or Oregon and Washington, you know, had a rematch. They went one-on-one against each other. Uh, Washington's only lost to Oregon. Yeah. Or it's only if lost Ohio Washington. State, if Ohio but if Ohio State divisions. played Michigan again, yeah, they would have played the Big Ten title, too. Who knows what would happen in a neutral field. It was a one-score game on, on a road game. Yeah. I think an argument pop up in the committee. I, I again, I think it's horseshit. I do not think Ohio State would deserve 100%. to be in over twelve one Washington, but I bet they would put them in. Um, so I just don't think that game matters at all for Ohio State, unless again, like you said, unless it's like an, a double overtime classic or something. That's yeah. it. Um, but they're gonna. They don't want to have a three P in, a, in a, like a, a third game in the same season between two teams, especially in a fourteen playoff. Though. That that's sort of yeah. like that's gonna happen. It's unavoidable when you have a 12 team playoff, but yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, that's my opinion at least. But, I don't know. And, and again, just fan base draw too, which also should not be considered, but will be. But it will be. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh I hate it. I hate it. I mean, Ohio State does not belong well, in, in I think in, also we'll learn a lot. Oh, sorry to interrupt you, but we'll learn a lot on Tuesday night whenever they announce the rankings. Because if Ohio State's all the way down at eight. Then they would put Washington in over them. I think if Ohio right. State's like six, then Ohio State would be in if Washington loses. And I think the thing, like to read between the lines too, is like the committee has loved Ohio State up to this point. Like loved yeah. Ohio State. They've loved the 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 stats that they obsess over are strength of record and game control. And Ohio State has just wrecked in both of those. Yeah, pr- probably even after the loss to Michigan. You can look it up after that. Um, 
Yeah, I'm checking it right now. I, I bet they're still above. I bet they're third in strength of record. Ohio Isn't State that? is fifth in strength of record and fourth in game control. Uh, Washington is second in strength of record and sixth in game control. But okay. a loss to Oregon would presumably drop Washington below that point. Yeah, in um, both. Yeah, Alabama in those categories is seventh and ninth. Yeah. Texas is sixth and second. Um, but again, those teams, if they win, they're in a right. state and it's, they're cooked. So right. But the, yeah. the, those are just those are just the metrics that they typically look at when they're evaluating teams, and they have loved Ohio State in terms of both of those. They also use FBI, which loves Ohio State. It still <laughs> yeah. has a number one in the country, which is very funny. Yeah. Um, so the, there are just there are several reasons where reluctantly the committee still loves Ohio State. I wouldn't be shocked yeah. to see Ohio State six in the committee rankings. Um, yeah. And kind of just here's the thing. Also, there. we'll know by noon on or by by like three o'clock on Saturday because if Texas beats Oklahoma State, then it's over. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, the, the, the funniest possible outcome would be that they just uh, say fuck Texas and put Ohio State in anyway. Which, to be clear, that will not happen. They will choose Texas over Ohio State if if it comes down to it. But it would be supremely funny if. Texas wins and Ohio State still gets in over Texas. I think uh, Ari Wasserman would have a uh, the, he would have a personal um, meltdown on Twitter if that happened because he's been a huge Texas guy this whole year. But um, I don't know. I, I almost I almost want that to happen just to see Ari meltdown on on Twitter because you know it would happen. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, um, that'd be fun. Um, the other games, I mean, Michigan, Iowa was the night game, Louisville, Florida State. There is a scenario, right, where we go into like the eight o'clock Saturday night game of Louisville, Florida State, trying to find out what happened. So, um, it will be pretty funny if it goes all the way that late, then Louisville gets like smoked by Florida State or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I, I think, I think the most interesting scenario, actually, I guess Florida State would be undefeated. So they probably would get the nod. But like, I I just I, I I think it's very clear that um that Florida State is not a title contender without Jordan Travis, like to to anybody with a brain really who has watched these games, it would be very funny if Florida State still wins and the committee decides to put Ohio State in over Florida State just because Jordan, Florida State has no shot at winning a national title without Jordan Travis, like I you. They've at this point they have played two games too, and you're gonna know like really two and a half. You're gonna know is this a a team that is capable of winning a national title with their current quarterback? And I just don't think that's the truth, and I don't think the committee is gonna lie to themselves and think that's the truth either. So I don't know. Interesting scenario, but again, if Florida State is as bad as I think they are without Jordan Travis, um, I think Louisville's gonna win that game anyway. So yeah, I guess we'll see. Um... I don't know, man. I'm I, I I'm I just, good. I, I, I don't want to see them play again. No, I, mean, I don't either. I, I don't I don't want Ryan Day to be rewarded again for 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 backing. I don't want him to back into the playoff again while losing to Michigan and add even more credence to the idea that that game doesn't matter as long as you can compete for national titles. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Well, well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess that is 
that is where we're at. We're at the uh, we're at the crossing teams off the rankings and see if Ohio State's going to back into the back into the playoff uh, conversation again. And and to be clear, like I I think I think last year I did want them in the playoff because I felt like they still had a lot of like they had the talent to win. I also felt like um, the Michigan game was more of a fluke last year and if, if Ohio State would have rematched them in the playoff they would have won um, I also had the psychological boost of thinking that Ohio State was going to get back Jackson Smith and Jigba and it was going to be a completely different team or whatever I just I don't believe any of that this year and I think that I don't think that Ohio State has a good shot of winning the national title even if they get in the playoff so I'm cool just taking I don't even know what Ohio, what bowl Ohio State would go to if they went in the title game or in, in the playoff what what, what what's I guess it, it, there's no tie-in because Rose Bowl is the uh, Rose Bowl is a, a playoff game. Yeah, I'll check the bowl projections and see where it's at right now. Um, uh, let's see. We'll go to ESPNs. It has Ohio State playing Louisville in the Orange Bowl. That's a just the first least fucking. Just the least interesting pool of all time. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> At least maybe it could be Florida State, but even that, like, I don't want to play Florida State without a Jordan Travis. Like, God, that's. Yeah. Ugh. Well, that makes me want to kill myself. Um, all right. Well... Well, Kevin, that's a podcast. Luckily, you um, had the instructions at the front end of the podcast. So, uh, yeah, we all know what to do from here. I will see you guys never again. It's the final episode of the podcast before I spook <laughs> myself. Um, <laughs> tune in to our premium to see if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually, well, there's a chance we may take a break this week and uh, take take Wednesday off and kind of make a game plan for the following weeks the season gets going. Uh, unless there's any kind of coaching movement that's interesting for us. Yeah, if there's, if there's reason to do one, we will, but if not. Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on Twitter. Yep. All right. Um, All right. Well, Kevin, um, we should not do the sign off this week because we don't deserve it. Yep. Goodbye.